The Preferable Podcast, Season 3, Episode 16, Spotlighting the Legacy of African Americans, hosted by myself, Jaden Watkins. The sparker of the Civil Rights Movement, Emmett Till, is commemorated. Emmett Till's cousin, Amberly Carter, joins me to discuss what really happened to Emmett Till, where the case currently stands on getting justice, and the impact that this incident has had on her family. Plus, Three Emmett Till Scholars at Equity and Inclusion at Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy join me to discuss their takeaway of the Emmett Till story. Then, Ms. Vanilyn Kennedy empowers us through the Word of God on the importance of never giving up. All this and more on this episode of the Preferable Podcast, hosted by myself, Jaden Watkins. Thank you for tuning in to the Referable Podcast hosted by myself, Jaden Watkins. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 16, Spotlighting the Legacy of African Americans. Please make sure that you share this episode with at least two people so that we can continue to build beloved communities. On this episode, myself, along with some of my guests, will discuss how African Americans have created the reputation of being advocates for change and drawn strength from not only God, but each other to a face oppression head on. We all will leave behind a legacy, no matter the color of our skin and the content of our character. It is our duty to live according to our purpose so that we can leave behind an impactful legacy. Here we are, as I am recording this in 2023, 157 years after the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in the United States and 59 years after segregation was ended legally. When both of these laws were passed in the United States, black people still did not earn equality and are still segregated in some parts of the world today. You may ask me, will we ever achieve true equality in this society? My answer to that question is to never lose hope, but due to the cultural traditions in our society, it can be hard to ever achieve the goal of a true beloved community being birthed. But I believe that God is raising a generation that he is calling higher. If only the seniors would pass on a history to the generations. And if my generation, along with the generations to come, would only have an ear to listen and a heart to receive the wisdom given, we would not continue to repeat history. Philosopher George once opinioned it like this, those who forget their history are condemned to repeat it. It is important for the legacy of African-Americans not to be shadowed and not be put in the dark. Let this episode of the Preferable Podcast shine a light on African-Americans' endurance, perseverance, our hope, as well as the work that still has to be done. Change begins with both me and you. So let us now not just talk the talk, let us now get to work. My first guest is Amberly R. Carter. 
Amberly R. Carter is a certified diversity executive. She has more than 15 successful years in the DEI and social justice space. Amberly holds a bachelor's degree in English and a master's degree in higher education. Amberly is the found author of Advance Your Legacy, Power Moves for Building Influence and Buried Alive. Remembering seven le seven lessons, excuse me, Mamie taught me on black leadership. Amberly has presented both regionally and nationally at conferences and universities. Her in her full-time job, Amberly works as a coordinator of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy. Amberly currently resides in Illinois and frequently visits Chicago to be with her mother. From birth, Amberly's family ties to America's greatest stain on justice placed her at the heart of the movement for Black Lives. Amberly is a cousin of Emmett Till. History.com wrote that Emmett Till, a 14-year-old Black youth, was murdered in August 1955 in a racist attack that shocked the nation and provided a catalyst for the emerging civil rights movement. A Chicago native, Till, was visiting relatives in Money, Mississippi, when he was accused of harassing a local white woman. Several days later, relatives of the woman abducted Till. They brutally beat and killed him before disposing of his body in a nearby river. Till's devastated mother insisted on a public open cast funeral for her son to shed light on the violence inflicted on black people in the South. His murderers were, I hope I'm saying this right, acquitted and his death is said to have sparked the civil rights movement as well as break barriers down for people of color. His cousin, who will be joining me today, is a true advocate for keeping the story of Emmett Till as well as his influence alive. In 2016, Amberly assisted in the passing of the Emmett Till Unsolved Civil Rights Crimes Reauthorization Act of 2016 and advocated to get the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill passed to make lynching a federal hate crime which after 200 failed attempts was finally accomplished in 2022. Now please welcome some Emmett Till scholars from Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy who will be joining us later as well as the cousin of an icon of the civil rights movement, Emmett Till. Thank you, Ms. Carter, for joining me on today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, me, I just say me and Ms. Carter, before we jump in, have been talking. And she is such a kind and sweet um, lady. But one oh, thing about you. her, I know that she has a fire in her and desire such as to spread this Emmett Till story as well as um, see change happening concerning it. So thank you. Thank you. 
this episode is all about celebrating the many achievements of African Americans as well as remind us of the past that we have greatly endured so that we can be empowered to continue to create an impactful legacy. Ms. Carter, why do you believe that it is important to spotlight the legacy of African Americans? It's so important because as you mentioned earlier, that if we don't know our history, we're bound to repeat it. And not only would we repeat the good things, but we will re repeat the bad things. And so we want to make change and we want that change to be positive. We want to be moving in the right direction. We also want to feel pride in our heritage. And that requires us to know and understand who we are. If we don't know who we are, then we're not going to be able to make change and be effective. Mm, you hit on something very good there. And it goes back to this identity piece. Excuse me, knowing who you are is important to know who you are because knowing who you are will help you recognize your purpose. And when you activate that purpose, it will result in that legacy being great. Absolutely. You are the cousin of an icon of the civil rights movement, Emmett Till. Emmett Till was brutally murdered at 14 years old. This resonates with me because I am 14 years old currently recording this. At what age did you realize how important the tragic incident of Emmett Till was to not only black history and black culture, but to the world as a whole? I think it evolved over time. So as a little girl, I would go visit Emmett's mother, Mamie, and she would tell me the story about Emmett Till. And at the time, I did not learn that story in the classroom. So it felt very personal. And it felt like I was talking about someone that was a loved one. And it didn't feel big or momentous, right? Like it did not feel like a historical figure to me because the, this is someone that I was hearing stories about, right? And and understood that this was someone who lived and, and was a very real boy, a real person. And so from a very young age, I knew that this was a relative. I knew that this was a real story. It's not fake. This is not made up. This is not make-believe. This is the truth. And this is what happened to my family. And we have generational pain because of it. And so I think as a young person, I didn't see the magnitude and understand why so many other people felt connected to Emmett Till or his story. Because to me, this is my family member. Why would you care so much? And so it wasn't until Mamie passed away, unfortunately, that I started to understand that her act of having an open casket funeral really mobilized people into doing uh, or being a part of the, the civil rights movement. And now we're looking at people who are mentioning Emmett Till's name, and it's brought up when we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. So his influence, his life, as well as his death and his burial and everything else, uh, open casket funeral, the case, have all influenced who we are as Americans today. Mm -hmm. Has influenced us all as um, African Americans. And like you said before, um, the world today. Um, let me just say first that if you are watching this episode on YouTube, please just be aware of the different images that may pop up on your screen because some of them may be hard for um, some audience members to 
um, look at. So I just want to give you that warning as well. And if you are uh, listening to this episode on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, you can feel free to go over to YouTube, my YouTube channel, Jaden Watkins, to watch. Um, thank you for that. And like you said, you did not recognize the impact that this story had and is still having on lives and i love the piece of you saying that um for example your the grandmother your grandmother passing it down to you was just so beautiful to know that you have been an advocate for change today um, Jada, can know. i make a correction there i'm sorry yes, yes, yes. Emmett, Emmett till his mother mamie was actually my cousin as well his his mother and my grandfather were first cousins Thank you for that correction. And even though you were not alive when this took place, your mother was alive. And from a one-on-one -on -one call that I had with her, she told me that she remembers some of what actually happened because she was alive at the time. Can you please share some of the details of the tragic incident that you believe we should point out and not overlook? Because this story has been told many times in different ways. But can we hear from you? Yes. Um, I would like to say that Emmett Till was a real, real boy, right? He was 14 and he loved his cousins. He really just wanted to spend time with them. He loved his family and he loved to have fun. He was always telling jokes and lively and wanted to be the center of attention. And he was good at it. And so, and he was good at making people smile and laugh. He had such a joy. And so he wanted to go visit his family and go on vacation and hang out with his favorite cousins in Mississippi. And his mother had just learned about an incident that had happened down in Mississippi where a black man was shot and killed in daylight because he wanted to vote. And so she was scared for Emmett. She really did not want to allow him to go, but she knew that he was relentless and he was gonna continue to ask her. And her uncle Mose assured her that he would be all right and that he'd take care of him and look after him and his older cousins would look after him as well. And so we know sometimes we, we make these promises that we really truly can't keep, but we, we mean it, right? We mean it in our heart that we would take care of each other. And so she allowed Emmett to go because it was what he really, really wanted for that, that summer to be uh, impactful and to spend it with with his cousins. And so he went down to Mississippi hanging out with his cousins and he was working out in the fields with them day and night. And he was not a, a field boy. He was a city boy. And so working out in the fields, picking cotton all day was not what he wanted to do for his summer vacation. Right. And so while he was there, they decided to take a break. And when they took a break, they decided to go to Roy Bryant's store. And just so happened, Roy Bryant was out of town and his wife was managing the store that day. And so while she's managing the store, each of the boys all had to go in one by one. They weren't allowed to go in and congregate in, in the store together because they're black and this is a white owned store. And so when Emmett went in and it was his turn, he went to go purchase his items and some type of conversation happened between the two of them. And so we'll, the, we will never know what was actually said but Carolyn Bryant did um, on the stand say a lot of things that we find very hard to believe as family members of a little boy who's 14, right? She insinuated a lot of things about him that we just don't believe. And I'll leave it at that. And so uh, on his way out, he um, 
told his his cousins that he had purchased his items and they were all hanging around. And then Miss Bryant comes out the store and it is said that Emmett Till whistled at her, wolf whistled, as in like cat calling. And so um, everyone began to scurry and ran and left. Okay. And so the boys thought nothing of it because they didn't hear anything else about it. And then one night in the middle of the night, Carolyn Bryant's husband and her brother-in-law kidnapped Emmett in the middle of the night from my Uncle Mo's house. And they assured that they would bring him back, but they did not. Emmett's body was later found in the Tallahatchie River, having been shot, beaten, and barbed wire tied around his neck so that he would um, drown in the Tallahatchie River. He didn't. He floated up. Uncle Moles went to go identify his body, and he was only identifiable by the fact that he had a ring that he was wearing that, is, that was once his father's. That was the only thing on his body that let Uncle Moles know that that was Emmett's body. The sheriff really tried his best to keep from having the body sent back to Chicago to be buried. He wanted it buried immediately. And the coroner, along with Uncle Moe's and some other men who were down south, were able to get that body boxed and sent back to Chicago on a train. Once it arrived in Chicago, Mamie demanded that the box be opened, even though she was told she should not and that it would be illegal to do so. She said if, if they didn't do it, that she was going to grab a hammer and do it herself. So they obliged and they opened it. And she got to examine her body, her son's body, from his head to his toes. And she knew that that was her boy. She didn't need to see the ring. She didn't need to see anything. But she knew that that was her boy. And so she was able to testify to that because there was some some argument, we'll say that, that that was not Emmett's body. But she was very adamant that she knew her child and that was Emmett's body. So after seeing his his body beaten the way that it was, she thought that it was necessary and grave for America to see what hatred looked like, what racism looked like. And she held a funeral for Emmett that was that had an open casket funeral. And so she held a viewing for Emmett for five days. They said that they could smell Emmett's body from around the block and blocks away. And people came from all over the world to view his body. But you know who didn't come? All of those people who, who were accusing Mamie of lying and saying that that wasn't Emmett's body. She gave them plenty of time to come up and view the body if they so desire. And they chose not to. After that, they held a casket. They held, they held a... Um, after that, they held a, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank here? I'm sorry. <laughs> they held the trial. And the trial uh, was, was an all-white jury. And they had several people from the NAACP who helped Mamie with this case and to help prepare her for the case. Um, they found witnesses. They were able to interview folks and bring them in to testify that they knew that these men were the men who had kidnapped Emmett. And after just 60 minutes of deliberation, they found those two men not guilty. Now, later on that year, 
or within the year, those same for, same two men would tell that story to Look Magazine for $4,000. And that's the story of Emmett Till. Now, we know that his story did not end there because his mother fought for justice. And we continue to talk about Emmett's story and the legacy as a family. Thank you for giving um, that story. And I know sometimes we call it a story, but um, I don't, I, I want to use a different word than story because I know sometimes, you know, it's make-believe stories and it's true stories and it's real stories. Then sometimes when you lie, people say it's a story, but that is a, just to know that happened in such a world as this and didn't happen thousands of years ago. <laughs> it happened um, under less than a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And things like that around America, um, different forms of that is still going on. My question to you is, if that would have never happened, how do you, what condition do you think America would be in today? I think that if it wasn't Emmett, it would have been someone else. I think that the reason Emmett's story was told in the way that it was is because of who Mamie was, right? She was an educator. Mamie was a, a woman who um, was very relentless. She, she had an undying love for her son, and she refused to go out without swinging, as some folks would say, right? So she wanted to make sure his story was told, and that's why his story was told. And he was a boy from the north who went down south. And I think that that meant something in 1955 because folks in the North believed that what happened in the South was just what was happening in the South. They didn't think that was their problem. And that's the huge thing about this story is that it reminds us that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere and that we need to be each other's keepers and, and, and really truly create community that exists without distance. When you first seen the uh, pictures of what Emmett Till looked like um, in the casket, how did that impact you when you first seen those photos? I was terrified of those images and still to this day, I try my best not to see them. So when they pop up on a screen and I haven't been given any type of um, warning, a trigger warning, it messes up my whole day. Because again, this is somebody that was a family member, a loved one. Even though I wasn't alive when he was here on earth, his spirit lives with me. You know, his, his um, joy as a little boy was taken away from our family. And we can't get that back. And so when, we, when people share his story and they share his images, and the images aren't of him as a little boy, it really hurts. Thinking about the where the case stands now, um, and thinking about the recent events that has occurred over the past two years, uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, Murad um, Arbery, and a recent incident, Tyree Nichols, mm -hmm, and to know that 
this time when with the incident of Tyree Nichols, it was not a different race. It was black officers who had a role in this. And when you said the about being um, the thing that you want people to take away, the main message, life lesson of Emmett Till's story about being um, each other's keepers, I'm connecting and thinking about Tyree Nichols. Why is it such a shame for black police officers to brutally assault this recent incident um, that happened about a month ago of Tyree Nichols? How, how is that a shame to black culture? I think we have to really pull back the layers around Tyree Nichols' story, right? We first have to understand our own racial socialization and how we come to understand ourselves and others and what we've been institutionalized to believe and what's been reinforced about black people, right? And and even if you're black, that doesn't mean that you don't um, hold any self-oppression, right? Or that you don't cause any self-harm to yourself or believe negative things about your own people those things that can still be true no matter what your race is no matter if that the race that you are showing hatred towards is your own and i think that that has a lot to do with what happened with that case is they they didn't see tyree nichols as their brother they didn't see him as somebody that they saw in themselves right and they also had no regard for his life as a human and so that plays a major role in, in why they were able to beat him in the way that they were and take his life. So I think that's part of it. We're also just really truly trying to understand race in America and we haven't gotten very far in understanding race in America. That's part of it. Going back to your cousin Emmett Till, where does the case currently stands with getting justice? The FBI have closed the case. And so it is my belief that justice won't happen inside of the courtroom at this point. And so we have to reimagine what justice is and what that means to us as a family. Mm. And do, do you believe that Carolyn Bryant the woman who played a role in the murder of your cousin Emmett Till should be convicted. If not, why? And if you think she should, going back to your last answer, do you think there's enough evidence to prove? I think it's complicated. I think that there's been a lot of conversation around whether or not the prison industrial system is a, is a system that we should contribute to at all, right? But then there's a lot of hurt from this situation and people all around the world see this as a stain on America. And so there's a request for Carolyn Bryant to go to jail and to serve time due to her role that she played in Emmett's death. And so I think it's a very complicated and very um, difficult, um, difficult decision to make. And at this point, because of the information that we have, she, she has not um, admitted, despite what's been said, she has not admitted anything in regards to 
uh, lying and perjury on the stand. She has not recanted. And so we don't have any evidence to convict her on in that regard. So having justice in the way in that way in the courtroom may not be an option. A lot of the systems that we live by or that our country was founded on in many other countries was corrupt and it's still corrupt. And we see the ripple effects of that today. Do you think some evidence may have been destroyed? It's possible. It's possible. Um, we probably never had access to that and we may never know whether there was something put aside or um, evidence that was that will be available now from back then. We, we might not even have access to that. Now, thinking about the uh, more positive impact this has had, your cousin Emmett Till's death was definitely one that didn't go in vain and I'm sure would never be in vain. Why is it so important that we remind ourselves of stories such as this that empower our gener your generation, my generation, and the generations to come, the importance of continuing to fight for justice and equality. Because those who came before us fought for a purpose. They wanted us to have a life of joy and freedom and to experience all that life has to offer us. And so we don't live in vain. We live with a purpose. God placed us here for a reason. And we're here to live that, that life out in his name. And so I think that the reason we remember our ancestors is because we want to remember that they had a dream for us. It's to inspire us. It's to keep us moving and going after our dreams. And it's a beautiful thing to think about those who came before us. Now, we, we understand their struggle. We may not be able to um, experience it in the same ways that they did, and we would never want to, right? And we, we honor them for all that they have had to go through and the life that they created for us uh, based off of the backs of, of all those who came before us. And so with that knowledge, with that understanding, we use that in context to inform where we're heading in the future. Coming up after the short commercial break, I continue my discussion with the cousin of Emmett Till, Miss Amberly Carter, and then some Emmett Till scholars join us to talk about the impact that they hope that this will have our lives around the world. Please make sure that you share this episode and we will be right back after the break. Stay tuned. If you haven't already, please go purchase a copy of my debut book, Higher Heights, the past is behind me and the future is before me. My book is a 40-day devotional book about not allowing your past to hinder you from your future. God created us in his own image and we should always make sure that we live every day to the fullest. No matter the many mistakes that we make, we can ask God for forgiveness and move on with our lives. You can purchase a copy of my book on any major retail website such as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target. 
If you would like to book me to speak at your next event, be a keynote speaker of your next Christian event, be a guest speaker at your church, or come and do a motivational presentation at your school, you can email iamjadenwatkins at gmail.com. Please send a detailed message. That email again is iamjadenwatkins at gmail.com. Please make sure that you follow me on all social media platforms on Instagram at I am Jaden Watkins, Facebook and YouTube Jaden Watkins. Here I am with Miss Amberly Carter after the break discussing the legacy of her cousin Emmett Till and now are some Emmett Till scholars joining us. The first Emmett Till scholar that I would like to introduce you all to is Zed which is on the right hand corner. Zed is a sophomore at the academy and his free time he enjoys wrestling and drawing. The second Emmett Till scholar that I would like to introduce you to is Catherine, who is sitting beside Miss Amberly. Catherine is 16 years old and is a sophomore at the academy. She desires to go to college to study different languages. The next Emmett Till scholar that I would like to introduce you to is Colin Chen. Colin enjoys working out and listening to music. He is on the left-hand side. Thank you to the Emmett Till scholars for joining me on today, as well as Ms. Carter, who is continuing to be a part of this very vital and unfiltered discussion. Um, so, Zed, can you please tell me how you believe that art, how art has influenced African-American culture? I think that art is has a really wide range of, um, it just has a wide reach in general and so like it reminds me of how I I used to do a lot of art for my school my old school and one of my pieces of art um, got into our our local school magazine and it was paired with like a poem from another student about um, black culture and how and the oppression they face as well and my my picture was paired with it because it was of of uh, an african-american model and so I think that it really shows like the the diversity of 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 our society in general can be can be really um widely expressed through a lot of different mediums in art. Mm -hmm. And I know that art conveys messages. Now sometimes when I look at a painting, I personally sometimes don't understand what is the inspiration behind the painting? But sometimes when we hear the stories and the creativities behind the art, if it's graphics online or if you go in a music, museum, you can see the how important the art art is to whatever culture that is, is associated with. So thank you for making that point. Um, Colin, can you please um, tell us how Emmett Till's life, death, and case has affected America today? Well, I heard that um, when Rosa Parks uh, rejected to give up her seat to a white person, she 
she was thinking of Emmett Till, and that that rejection sort of kickstarted the civil rights movement. So I think um, Emmett Till's case was a huge part in her mind and a huge part in uh, the civil rights movement as its origin. Um, Catherine, can you please share some of your experiences with being a part of the Emmett Till Scholar Program and how it has impacted you? It's been a very eye-opening experience. I am from Southern Illinois and often a lot of things like, a lot of history of things like racial justice gets ignored or shoved out of the way unless you go seeking it out. So having the opportunity to learn about something new, even though I live very close to where it happened, um, was a good thing. Mm. And Catherine, I want to stick to the point that you made of even though you were you lived close to where you had lived close to where it happened, you didn't know about the story. Why do you think or can you just give your perspective or opinion on how hiding the truth or not telling the experiences of African Americans can cause hurt and for history to repeat? Yeah. A lot of people where I live are ignorant in general about history of any minorities, um, not just racial minorities. Um, lots of people just flat out don't know the facts of history as we would think of them. Um, usually when people think of like the people that fly like Confederate flags or don't tread on me flags, they think of like the deep south more of where it's like you might live, but those are also things I see in my town. And people just, they don't know what they're doing. They really don't. They were never taught and their parents were never taught and their grandparents were never taught. And even though they lived through it, they were just ignorant. They never paid attention. And then the students there that are African-American or whatever minority, um, they just see it all the time, day in and day out. and. How are you going to correct people when it's the entire environment and then it just continues until someone speaks up? So it's important to speak up and speak out. We are um, trying to build a beloved community so that the generations that come after us can live in a better world, a better society. So as we wrap up, um, Zed, can you please tell us how it is important to accept people as who they are? I mean, a lot of a lot of things that people are they are in their control, and so judging them and and like oppressing them for stuff they can't even control is is like a huge it's a huge factor that plays into like um, even like genocide, like things as severe as police brutality and stuff, but even even minor stuff like like the school to prison pipeline starts out with like small things and and so accepting people is just like a step that we can take towards um, preventing a lot bigger issues for minorities and people who struggle with with biases against things that they can't control mm, that is good things that you cannot control but then thinking about the impact that that can have on lives around the world. To close, um, 
us out a little bit. Uh, Colin, can you go back to a point on the legacy that you hope that you will leave behind today, being associated with the Emmett Till um, Scholar Program? I know that you all have been in the program for um, enough time to recognize its importance. So what do you really want to take away from this program? Um, well, I, I took away a lot of knowledge. Before I uh, attended the program, I didn't know really anything about it until I only heard about Rosa Parks, but it really sort of educated me on how, um, how the civil rights movement started, which was one of the most important movements in um, American history. So I hope that um, other people can also learn about Emmett Till and what started, what really started the civil rights movement. Wow, that is wonderful. And Miss Amberly Carter, as we start to wrap up our piece, it is always important to not only talk about the change that we want to see in the world, but be the change. Action begins with us all. We as African-Americans must not stop no matter how tired we get. When building a beloved community, we must remove our lands on only seeing our differences and see the potential power of our unity. Ms. Carter, um, as we begin to be the change and act on purpose, what is something that you will personally commit to doing to keep the legacy of African-Americans great? Well, I'm continuing to work with these young scholars to teach them Emmett Till's story and to educate them on our um, many different ways that we can provide cultural competency to our peers, our parents, other people who would like to do this work with us and to, you know, like collaborate to make a change. And so I think that that's what's important is finding ways and points that we can come together for dialogue and then also finding ways and points that we can do this work together. Doing it together because we are stronger together. Uh, Ms. Carter, what are some of the social media platforms people can follow you on to stay connected, to continue to hear you advocate and fight for justice? Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn, Amberly R. Carter, or you can find me on Instagram at HelloAmby. Wonderful. Again, thank you to the cousin of Emmett Till, Amber Lee Carter, and the Emmett Till Scholars from Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy for joining me on today. Miss Ali Gordon, I want to say a huge thank you to her for helping coordinate this interview and the connections with the Emmett Till family. Please welcome Ms. Vanderlyn Kennedy as she joins me on the referral podcast as the, at this time. Thank you, Ms. Kennedy, for joining me on today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, what a commendable effort that this is, endeavor this is, um, Minister Jaden, for you to uh, have this platform and to be concerned about this generation. 
Thank you so much. So my first question to you is, what is the most impactful piece of advice that you have received or lesson you have learned from being in the pandemic for three years mm. that you believe has impacted your life tremendously? Wow, what a great question. Um, I would say what I've learned most is that it's important to understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so many times we get caught up in the yesterday and we become monuments of our past and almost museums where we can look back at how God did things or how God used us or what God did in the past. But God is forever moving. And this pandemic taught us that or taught me that um, this did not take God by surprise. It took many of us by surprise, but God knew what was going to happen. And he was already making ways um, as the world would shift. He was all God was already um, planning for what would be, although in many ways we were in what was. And so one of the greatest lessons that it has taught me is to keep my ear to the voice of God. And although I knew that before, and although I, I said that, and I believed I was doing it um, in such a greater way, it's God, what do you want right now? I know what I did before and I know how I did it before, but obviously you, uh, you don't change in your nature, but your the ways in which we as uh, people in this world and systems do change and so help me to be ready and so um that's one of the greatest things that i've learned to keep my ear to the mouth of god and be ready for however god wants to move um that word we call pivot be ready to do that in any season yes in any season um always be ready when God gets ready to come back. And I was saying in a recent episode that this pandemic has really taught us um, well, over the last three years to ask ourselves, do we really have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or is just going to church is a tradition? Sure. Well, do I really read and study his word in my uh, personal time? Do I actually have this connection with him that I'm also sharing with people in my home? So that is yes. good. So be to become more... Um, on the topic of this episode, celebrating the legacy of African-Americans. Yeah. Many African-Americans have shown love to their generation as well as future generations by making sure they fight for equality and justice. Who is an African-American trailblazer that you would like to honor today for their love and endurance? Oh, wow. There's so many trailblazers, African-American trailblazers that trailblazers um, that have endured and laid such a solid foundation and legacy for us. Um, I, I was thinking about this today, and I'm not using him because he's Church of God in Christ. Um, okay. Certainly, I was raised in the Church of God in Christ, but um, the Lord has blessed me to have ministry um, in many different arenas and places. Um, but I was reflecting on Bishop Mason, the founder of the Church of God in Christ, and um I was reflecting on not only his areas of ministry and 
groundbreaking in faith, but even in the areas of social justice and activism. And we might say, well, we never heard of Bishop Mason protesting or being on the uh, picket line or um, causing a stir um, in any way uh, as far as protesting what was wrong. However, um, many times we're wrong about that. Bishop Mason, the founding of the Church of God in Christ in itself was an act of activism, advocacy, and an act of protest. Um, because at that time, uh, the Holy Spirit, we know, uh, in the Azusa Street Revival had fallen. And um, although the Holy Spirit had fallen, there was discrepancy as to whether Black people could worship uh, with white people in the same way. And Bishop Mason ended up uh, founding the Church of God in Christ uh, out of a need to serve his people and out of um, a desire to say, no, we're not going to take that. We deserve better than that. We will not be second-class citizens. And as a result of that, um, the Church of God in Christ is now the largest uh, African-American uh, Pentecostal denomination and serves over 6 million members worldwide in about 150 countries because of this endurance, this stance, and this uh, innovation and willingness to serve uh, Black people as well as to serve God. Most of all, to serve God and serve his people. And that reminds me of how our purpose not only affects us individually, but affects generations to come. So yeah. continuing to keep that legacy and knowing that a legacy is something that we don't always think about, but something that we may should think about more often. So thank yeah. you for sharing that um, about that trailblazer. African Americans have faced so many forms of trials and tribulations, um, particularly surrounding equality, racism, and discrimination. Recently, as I was thinking about how we can continue to endure despite oppression, I thought about Job in the Old Testament of Scripture. Job in the Old Testament of Scripture lost possessions but continued to trust God and endured even though he was tempted. Over history, African Americans have been looked as tenacious. How can we find strength, Ms. Kennedy, in Bible stories to continue to fight for justice and equality as African-Americans? Oh, the scripture is rich with um, the tradition and history of uh, helping oppressed people to fight for justice. As a matter of fact, Jesus um, was um, of the oppressed class and the class and uh, race that was oppressed uh, in the Bible. Um, my, my mind goes to the children of Israel uh, in Egypt um, and the edict that had gone out to kill the male children. And certainly we can um, understand and we can relate to the children of Israel from that time because it seems like an edict has gone out for our black and brown um, young men and women uh, to be killed and to 
be oppressed and they had to go through many things, but God uh, raised Moses up to be a leader, to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. But before they came out, one of the scriptures that resonates with me a lot is the more that they oppressed them, the more that the Egyptians, the enemy oppressed the children of Israel, the more they multiplied. And so, um, although our black and brown people have been oppressed uh, in this country, in the world, um, God has blessed us to still be able to not only survive, but even thrive in many instances. And of course, oppression is still happening and we're still um, in a place where we believe in liberation and, and freedom from uh, oppressive systems and um structures, uh, but we do understand that we serve a God who is able to help us. We see so many ways um, that um, you can think of Esther and um, Mordecai and so many stories, but that story about um, the children of Israel in Egypt really it really resonates with me. They were oppressed, but they came out and they multiplied and they came out with more than they had. And I believe that the Lord, that this is a revolution of sorts. Even now, if we look at what's happening, although many things are happening um, regarding, again, our black and brown men and women being killed in the street. Uh, but there's also seems to be in some ways an economic revival that has come almost a renaissance of sorts that has come uh, from the advent and the use of social media where we have uh, black people who are millionaires um, because of simply because of an idea or something that uh, was important to them um, that they are not waiting on a system to be able to help them or bless them or give them a leg up. And so, although we've been oppressed, I really believe this is the time that we are moving forward and doing for ourselves and not waiting um, for anyone to do for us. Wow, that everything you said was uh, good. And like you said, I, the episode before this one was entitled Young Leaders Arising. And it's time for everyone, no matter our age, race, gender, color. Uh, I know that this episode is about celebrating the achievements of African Americans and the legacy, but everyone is able to build this beloved community and be a servant of Jesus Christ. It's a Bible verse that popped in my spirit as you were speaking that I just searched up. It says Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and yes. character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us and that yes. we will just be open to receive what yes. God has poured into us in this season of our lives. We Absolutely. will live to, um, a lot differently. Uh, Ms. Kennedy, you might have to help me out with this Bible verse, but there's another one that just popped in my spirit. It says, if my people who are called by my name will yes. humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. And that's what God is saying. And by doing so, that helps us evolve into our purpose. Miss Kennedy, how will you continue to live according to your God-given purpose while representing Black excellence, but most of all, glorifying God? 
I I believe that um, black excellence starts with your purpose. Uh, it is not defined by money or fame or some of the other things that people may uh, believe that offer validation. But if you are living in your purpose, that is black excellence. And I know that um, I was called and I was brought to this earth to empower people, to equip people, to help people, to help organizations be their best and maximize their potential so that they also can affect and uh, impact other people and other organizations. And so in doing that, I understand that when I'm in my purpose, I'll be able to have money, I'll have connections, uh, I'll have fulfillment and happiness. And so it is my desire um, to do that. I think that... Uh, I appreciate uh, being in church and uh, shouting and singing and all of the things we do in worship services. Uh, but I believe, and of course, the fivefold ministry, I believe that that's important. But I believe that every person, by living their God-given purpose, is giving God glory and can be a blessing on earth. I don't think we should just be blessings in church. I don't think the spirit should just be moving on us and in us in church. I believe that by us fulfilling our purpose, it could be an idea that we have uh, actualized and brought to life. It could be a program, a business we're starting, a nonprofit, all of those things. I believe God desires us to make impact in the world, in the entire world, not just to be anointed in church. And so when we do that, we will have money, we will affect change, and we'll be able to leave a long-lasting legacy because of what has been planted in the earth, but what has come out of us. So our purpose um, helps us to fulfill and establish things and do things so that the excellence is seen. So that the excellence is saying because honestly it's not about us it's all about jesus christ okay. miss kennedy i know you have been stepping into um, a new role lately at, um recently as a cheerleader of the international youth department congratulations on that and i know that you still do so many other things such as mentoring other young leaders to arise my question to you would be out of your whole career everything that you do what legacy do you hope to leave behind someday? I hope when it comes to legacy, and it's so funny that you ask this because I've been attending a lot of um, homegoing services lately as throughout COVID and even beyond a non-COVID uh, related death. Someone said that it seems like we've had a slow rapture um, with COVID and other things. Um, but one of the things that I've really been touched by is hearing people's um, stories or tributes to those who have departed, to their loved ones. And those that have stood out the most haven't been those who've had degrees necessarily or these great positions or um, even just who've traveled around the world, but those that have made people better. 
Those that I, I can even remember stories um, from people, again, who weren't what we would call high degree or status in life. But that I could remember stories um, that of the tributes that were given that they helped them in areas of um, continuing their education. They helped them in areas of helping them raise their children. They encouraged them to do things that would cause them to be their best. They encouraged them to keep reaching up for more, to um, get away from the toxicity of things they had been involved in. Just helping people be better. When I close my eyes uh, and uh, people have to give words at my service or years down the line, someone says, what is legacy? I want people to be standing in what I've built, right? Um, and who I am. And the standing is not just a structure. Yes, I do want, you know, there to be a school that someone can stand in and say, um, this was built by Vandal and Kennedy. But in addition to the physical structures, I want someone to be able to stand in the fact that, you know what, she challenged me. And because of her, I am better, better in my prayer life, better in my seeking God, better in my desire for black excellence, better in my, um, uh, tearing down the strongholds that would have held me down and hindrances to my uh, future and my freedom uh, better in me fulfilling my own purpose. That's what I would like. That's the legacy. And I want them to, to know that I showed the love of Christ and that it was shed abroad in my heart and it helped it to be shed abroad in theirs. Well, Miss Kennedy, I believe and I know that you will leave that legacy behind and more. Are there any new projects that you are working on and where can the listeners follow you on social media? Thank you so much. Yes, uh, there are. I have a couple books that are coming out. Uh, one is called First Things First that is challenging believers um, to put God first in their day. Uh, and when you, whatever you prioritize in your day, you prioritize in your life. Many times we get up and put our cell phones uh, in our faces first thing, or we get on the phone with somebody or we turn on the TV. But certainly if you win your day, if you prioritize God in the first part of your day, you can win your day. And as a result, win your life. I also have a product coming out regarding youth ministry. Um, I have a uh, mentorship uh, class that is about to come out and all of that. Follow me on uh, social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Vandalin Kennedy. That's V-A-N-D-A-L-Y-N-K-E-N-N-E-D-Y. Uh, and uh, you can reach me at VandalinKennedy.com. Thank you. Thank you again, Ms. Vandalin Kennedy, for joining me on today. This has been an amazing episode. Please donate to the Preferable Podcast to keep it going, growing, and evolving. You can donate through Cash App, dollar sign, I am Jaden Watkins. That's dollar sign, I-A-M-J-A-Y-D-E-N-W-A-T-K-I-N-S. Or through PayPal at WJaden1, at W-J-A-Y-D-E-N-1. All amounts are appreciated. Thank you for your support and keeping the preferable podcast going. 
My time here for season three, episode 16, spotlighting the legacy of African-Americans has come to an end. But make sure that you subscribe to the preferable podcast to be notified when new episodes are released. I am Jaden Watkinson. I will and never stop making this world more preferable. God bless you.